Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. My name is Asevan Bailey, and joining me today is Ori Benatar. We're going to be previewing the second week of the Premier League season. But before we get into all the matches, let's talk a little bit about some of the bigger news that affected some of the Premier League teams this week. Now, I think the biggest news from uh, this past week is the major injury to Kevin De Bruyne, who's going to be out for two to four months. Uh, Ori, did, what do you think about this news? What do you, what do you think this is going to do for the title race? Well, I'm going to be writing a story about it a little bit later today. Uh, you can check that out on the thetopflight.com. I think this is going to have a big effect, not just on the English title race, but it's going to have an effect on Europe because Kevin De Bruyne, for me, is the best player on Manchester City, maybe the best player in all of the Premier League, slightly better than his Belgian teammate, Eden Hazard. And you look at those two to four months, it's not been confirmed yet how much time he's missing. We're still waiting on that news, but... Um, Today, Manchester City had the premiere of their Amazon series, All or Nothing, which comes out tomorrow on Amazon Prime Video, and De Bruyne went to the premiere on crutches, and there's some swelling in his knee, so it is, it is likely that the minimum will be two months, so from now to two months, you're looking at um, October, but if the injury is any more serious, he could be out all the way until December, which means he could miss all of Manchester City's Champions League group uh, stage games and miss a majority of the first half of the season, which would mean in center midfield, I'm just trying to think of who would be that extra starter for Man City. You could see Phil Foden make a couple of appearances. Maybe Riyad Mahrez plays in central midfield. I think it's going to affect Europe because City's chances in the Champions League might be worse without De Bruyne. And also in the league, it's going to give a couple of teams a better chance of beating Man City. So this is going to affect all of Europe. I think you're right that it's definitely going to affect uh, the Manchester City's European campaign more so than the Premier League campaign because I don't think, honest, even though like I think that Kevin De Bruyne is one of the most important players in the world, it, it, I think Manchester City is well-equipped to deal with his absence. I mean, we saw in the game against Arsenal this past week that he didn't play in that match for the majority of the match, and you know, City, City was still dominating the Arsenal team. Now, Arsenal is not exactly one of the strongest teams in England or the world, but you know, it, it was still pretty impressive to see a De Bruyne-less Manchester City attack that was still jaw-dropping so I'm not sure if it's really going to affect them in the league Bernardo Silva could also take that spot you mentioned Mares, Phil Foden David Silva will be returning I'm sure that Pep Guardiola can come up with plenty of different players that could play in that system and provide the kind of match winning match winning quality that is necessary to beat the teams like Brighton and Newcastle etc um, the thing is that you're right when it comes to a European campaign. Manchester City, I think, is one of the favorites to win the uh, the Champions League this year, more so than, I think, Real Madrid, I think more so than a lot of other teams. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see because if he comes back in December uh, after the group stage, maybe you know he, he, maybe they'll just rest them and they won't use them until March or February when it comes to the knockout stage matches where Manchester City has had some tough times uh, during the Pep Guardiola era. So... I'm not sure if I think this is, I think it's a big injury, obviously, because you don't, you know, Manchester City is basically losing their best player. And I think this basically rules out Kevin De Bruyne's attempt to win the player of the year again. But I'm not sure if it's going to have that much of an impact on the title race. Um, hey, do you know when, when uh, Manchester City is playing Liverpool for the first time this year? I think it's around late September, October. It's, he definitely would be missing a game against Liverpool. I have their squad and their schedule in front of me. So looking again at the center midfield options, you could see Fernandinho um, 
maybe take that spot. Gundawan is a potential starter now. Um, Brahim Diaz maybe makes a couple of appearances. But taking a look at some of the notable matches, City's playing Liverpool on October the 7th, playing Spurs on the 28th of October, and then the first Manchester derby at the Etihad against Manchester United will be on November the 11th. So those are some big matches that De Bruyne won't be there for. Then they play Chelsea on December the 8th. So if the injury is at its worst, that's probably around the time where De Bruyne's coming back. But I'm looking also at the potential groups for Manchester City. Unless they get a really hard draw, which I'm looking at the pots basically. So City is automatically in pot one because they won the Premier League. And thanks to the fact that Real Madrid won the Champions League, Atletico won the Europa League, and Barcelona won La Liga, all three of those teams are in the pot with City. So they are not going to be in a group with any of the three big Spanish giants. The best teams that they could possibly be in a group with from the second pot, I'm looking at Dortmund, uh, Porto, Napoli, Shakhtar Donetsk. They can't be in the same group with United or Spurs. If Liverpool gets in that second pot, they can't be in the same group with them. So... I think if they got drawn with Dortmund, Dortmund might have a chance to potentially win both of those games against City without Kevin De Bruyne, also depending on what Pep Guardiola decides to do with the Champions League. Is he going to go with his top lineup? Is he going to maybe play Gundogan in the Champions League and save someone like Phil Foden for league games? I don't know, but this is a big injury from a neutral standpoint. It's a shame we're not going to see De Bruyne as one of the best players in the league. From a City standpoint... It's going to make things tougher than what they were going to be. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's it's always hard to lose your best player. But I do think that it's – I think Manchester City is in this enviable position where, like, even if they lose their best player for an extended period of time, they are probably not even going to miss that much of a beat. But, uh, you know, that's interesting. If they, if they do get par- paired with Dortmund, those should make for some entertaining games. And without Kevin De Bruyne being the true best player on the pitch, we might actually get to see some pretty interesting matchups. Also, Christian Pulisic, maybe he can uh, – <laughs> show uh, Pep Guardiola what he's missing over in Dortmund. But let's move on to another piece of news this week. Not technically related to the Premier League, but I think it's important because the transfer window is still open for most European leagues. And that was the recent uh, UEFA Super Cup contested by Real Madrid, the Champions League winners from last year, and Atletico Madrid, the Europa League winners from last year. Uh, Madrid lo- uh, Real Madrid lost 4-2 to Atletico in extra time. Uh, it was a pretty entertaining cup final, probably the most entertaining in the last like three years or so. Uh, as a Real Madrid fan, it was disappointing but ultimately somewhat expected considering that um, Madrid is, doesn't have Ronaldo and you know it's it's been kind of a transition period with the new manager but I bring up the Super Cup in relation to the Premier League is because I'm going to ask you a question because Real Madrid has lost their first cup final since Zidane took over last uh, in I think in 2016 um, do you think Real Madrid is going to maybe panic by someone like Eden Hazard or maybe Paul Pogba or someone from the Premier League that has been looking to maybe leave their big giant top six club. Hmm, maybe. I think it's possible. I don't think the Super Cup is an indication of the seasons for both teams. I think it's more of an indication that Atletico Madrid should be taken seriously as a La Liga title contender and a Champions League contender. They are really good with their defense. Diego Costa getting a brace. Antoine Griezmann, he didn't play that much in that game, but they have some great new signings in uh, Rodri and uh, Thomas Lamar. Sal Niguez and Koke played really well. For Real Madrid, I think the biggest indication of that game was Kaylor Navas he conceded four goals. I think Thibaut Courtois is going to get the starting job when La Liga begins on Sunday for Madrid. They're hosting Getafe. Um, 
I thought the Bundesliga was starting this weekend, but it's starting next weekend. Instead, we have La Liga and Serie A getting underway. So Madrid panic buying. I think it's possible, but I don't see it as very likely. I think that Madrid is going to settle with what they have. I think Lopetegui and Perez trust in Bale. I think they trust in Benzema. I think they're going to try and give Isco more of an advanced role. Marco Asensio is going to be looked at as sort of the replacement for Ronaldo, and maybe Vinicius Jr. gets some game time as well. I think Hazard is going to stay in Chelsea for now. I'm, I'm, I would agree with you. I do think that Real Madrid is probably going to at least test it out until January. I'm not really sure about Lopetegui. I think he's a good coach, and he was a good coach for Spain before he was fired. However, you know, Real Madrid is a totally different beast. Uh, Real Madrid never conceded more than three goals under Zidane, and it's interesting that in Lopetegui's first competitive game in charge, uh, they conceded four. They lost their first cup final in a long time. Uh, the defense was a little weak. I thought the decision to take out Casemiro towards the end of the match when they were up 2-1 was a strange one and definitely came back to haunt them as Madrid just conceded three goals within a span of 30 minutes. So it's uh, we'll have to see because the Lopetegui era might not last very long. And if it doesn't last very long, like if it doesn't last until January, which is possible because Real Madrid has a history of firing their managers very quickly, as we saw with Rafa Benitez a couple years ago. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Madrid decides to maybe in the Jan- January transfer market window purchase Eden Hazard and uh, maybe even someone else just to try to uh, try to stre- strengthen their their hold in La Liga and the Champions League. Because I don't think they're going to be a Champions League contender, which I think opens up uh, a space for Liverpool or Manchester City or maybe even Manchester United if you know the. The Mourinho magic in the Champions League can return, but uh, you know it's just interesting because the we we this is to a broader discussion that there's been a lot of transfer rumors uh, with almost every club in the Premier League that they're going to lose some of their star players to the European transfer window, which will end in late August in a couple weeks. So there's still plenty of time. Paul Pogba has still been linked with Barcelona. That seems to be that seems to be growing every day. Do you give any credence to that rumor, the Pogba to Barcelona? I I wasn't buying that for a second. The thing that I'm most interested about when it comes to the transfer window now, because of Ronaldo and Messi both being in La Liga for so long, we saw so many of the great players go to Spain. Is that going to stop happening? Are there going to be players that see Real Madrid and are like, okay, this is not an opportunity for me to play with the best player in the world. It's an opportunity for me to become the star of this team or just to, you know, make up the numbers kind of thing. Do we start to see more transfers in Italy? I think we're going to start seeing bigger name players go to Italy in the future because of Cristiano Ronaldo and how good of a footballer he is. And also with Barcelona, Barcelona, you know, you have Suarez getting a little bit older. You have Messi. You don't have as much of a midfield anymore. I think we're going to start seeing a lot less of the top, top players going to Spain. Depending on what we see from the English clubs in the Champions League, we could see some top players going to the Premier League. We saw a lot uh, come to the EPL after a good World Cup. And I also think that Serie A is going to get a lot of big names too because of Ronaldo. I think it definitely, I think while you're, I think you're right that Serie A is definitely going to start improving as a league. It's been in a couple years of decline. I think the new ESPN deal is going to give it a little wider exposure here in the States, which might help a little bit of the revenue to, towards some of the bigger clubs in Italy. Um, also, Ronaldo is an extremely high acquisition, even if he's a little older. Um, that should be good for the league as well. But I still think that the magic of Barcelona and Real Madrid, the idea of the Clásico being the most important sport in the, you know, the sporting match in the world, um, I, th- I still think that's going to matter. However, 
I think it, that really depends on the Champions League. Now, if the English clubs have another another really good Champions League outing where Manchester City, Liverpool, even United to a smaller... Well, not United. They, they weren't very good. But if Liverpool and Manchester City can have good runs in the Champions League, maybe that'll get more players interested in playing in the Premier League because they know that they have a chance to win the Champions League. Because I, th- I think the Champions League is the most important you know, tool to get great players to play at big clubs. And Real Madrid and Barcelona are the teams that have won the Champions League since 2014. So it's obvious that players are going to want to play where they have the best chance to win the Champions League. But if England can do it this year, if they can become the first country since Germany in 2013 uh, to win the Champions League, I think then maybe there will be a shift. Or maybe even Juventus, if they can actually get that monkey off their back. It'd be very interesting. I think we might be going into a new era in uh, world football, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But... I think, uh, you know, I I think it's interesting. But let's move on. Uh, Let's get to the main part of the show, which is we're going to be previewing the second week of English Premier League football. Um, I want to. We can go through all the games if you like. But first, first things first. I want to ask you, what game are you most excited for this weekend? What I'm most excited for, I'm really looking forward to seeing Leicester and Wolves. I think that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, The likes of Ruben Neves and James Madison, which one of them can respond to having a good debut and continue playing to the level that they showed they can play at on the opening weekend, that game at the King Power Stadium. That game I'm really intrigued about. But of course, if there's one match that you had to watch, if you're only forced to watch one of the nine matches and you only got a chance to sit down and see one of them, you have to say Chelsea and Arsenal. It's a top six game. It's at Stamford Bridge. It's a London derby. It's Chelsea and Arsenal with two new managers. It's going to be fun. Oh, that's for sure. I think it's going to be explosive. The last time Arsenal played Chelsea in the Premier League was a 2-2 draw with a Hector Bellerin uh, golasso in the final night, like the 90th minute. Um, it should be a pretty entertaining match, especially because we're going to have two conflicting uh, ideologies going against each other in Emery and Sarri. Um, also, the, the the London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal is pretty underrated. I, it's very intense, and a lot of fans just hate the other team. I, I certainly do not like Chelsea, but it should be a fun game. If I had to pick a game that I'm most excited for, and I'm saying this from a neutral point of view, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think the Tottenham-Fulham game is going to be fun. Fulham had a pretty weak start to the Premier League last uh, last season, um, last week when they lost 2-0 to Crystal Palace. I don't think Tottenham is going to play as defensive as Crystal Palace did in that game, so they're might be a little more open spaces for Fulham to maybe play a little more creatively, maybe get in behind the lines. Um, I think Fulham needs to have a a good game in this London derby again, because if they don't, they're going to be staring at zero points in two matches when everyone was pegging them to maybe be a top 10 contender when, and, you know, they've made splash so much money. Fulham has to be prepared to go at them and they have to try to win this game. So I think it's going to be pretty entertaining to see two attacking-minded teams play against each other in Wembley Stadium, which is going to always... It's always fun to see games in Wembley Stadium. It's a bigger field. There's more interesting passing because of it, so I think it's going to be pretty cool. But uh, let's move on to the game you are least excited for, the game you are not even going to touch this weekend. Huh. Well... It's probably going to be Cardiff and Nuke. Actually, no. I'll say Burnley-Watford is the game I don't touch as much. Like, I like Watford's midfield, but 
I think Burnley, who are going to be playing in the Europa League as of uh, recording this, the game hasn't happened yet, but they're going to be tired because that game could go to extra time. Istanbul, Basaksehir here could hold them scoreless again. It could be nil-nil. It could go to extra time. And I think that that game is not going to be as exciting. But overall, most of the matchups have um, intriguing parts to them. We have another top six. We've got big teams playing against some other teams that could potentially upset them. You know, most of the top six is going to be on the road, especially um, in the later parts of the week when United plays at Brighton and Liverpool's at Palace for a Monday night game. But yeah, Burnley-Watford is probably going to be the least intriguing game. Cardiff and Newcastle, I hesitated on because I think that could have a big scoreline. So I was actually going to pick Cardiff versus Newcastle because I think even though Rafa Benitez is a very, very good manager, he is a conservative manager at heart. And I don't think that he's going to try to push all his men forward against Cardiff. He's going to try to be careful about the counterattack. And I think that Newcastle struggled to score last week. Their shooting boots might not be on yet. It, it might be a little tough of a match. And I wouldn't be shocked if it was a 1-0 either side or a 0-0 draw. Um, and that, you know, that's obviously the most boring. Burnley Wofford, I... I think Burnley, while they're in the Europa League, is going to try to draw every single game in the Premier League 0-0 because at least if you draw every single game and not lose, you'll stay in the Premier League. So Burnley, I, I think they're going to be too distracted by the Europa League and they're going to just keep the league as an afterthought, just play good defensive football and not allow uh, the games to get out of hand and maybe nick a point here or there. Um, bef- we're going to go through the predictions, our predicted score lines for every game, but before that, um, you have a really great thing on the topflight.com where you look at the fantasy rankings for some of the players in the Premier League. And I wanted to ask you, who are your players to watch this weekend in fantasy? Well, this weekend, anyone from Man City, of course, if you have Kevin De Bruyne like I do as the captain, you're going to have to, you know, find a new captain and decide to get someone else for this weekend because City is playing Huddersfield. I pin any center midfielder or forward from City. They could get a lot of goals. So I think that's a good shot. I honestly think either a Newcastle striker is a good option, too. You could get Rondon. You could get uh, Jocelyn. I think they could score at least a goal in that game against Cardiff on the road in Wales. Um, and also, if you want to go with just a regular person that's going to do well for you all season, I think Ruben Neves. He's the guy that I picked up this weekend before Kevin De Bruyne's injury came out. I'm not getting rid of De Bruyne because I don't want to lose my four points. I'm playing against my dad in my family league, so I don't want to lose against him. He wins the league like basically every year. But Ruben Neves is cheap. He's going to play a lot for Wolves. He see, he seems like he will be the main creator of that team. And For me, I think it's really important to have those guys from newly promoted clubs. You find their stars after the first week. You get them onto your team because they're cheaper and they can get you a lot of points. I think those are great. I think Manchester City is obviously going to run rampant over Huddersfield Town, and it would be shocking if it's a one nailed win or a 0-0 draw. I would also want to mention there are two players that I think might have better weeks, week twos, than they did week one, uh, which they're both West Ham players. Uh, Felipe Anderson and Yarmolenko, these are two new signings from West Ham. Uh, they play on opposite wings, uh, usually they're creative wide midfielders, uh, pretty attacking players. They have pedigree from playing at Lazio for Felipe Anderson, and Yarmolenko used to play for Dortmund. Um, I think they had a tough week because they had to play Liverpool at Anfield. Liverpool is probably the second best team in the country and one of the best teams in the world. It was obvious that West Ham was not going to be prepared for that game. I think playing against the much easier and much defensively inept uh, Bournemouth should make for pretty entertaining, and I wouldn't be shocked if Yarmolenko and Anderson 
either one of them or both of them could have either multiple assists or multiple goals. So I wouldn't be shocked if either one of those two players or both of those players have really good games against Bournemouth on Saturday. Uh, but, but those are my players to watch. They're very entertaining flair players. And I think against Bournemouth, your more creative attacking players tend to have better games. So I'd be interested in seeing what they do. But uh, all right. Let's go through it. Let's just give our general predictions, our score lines, what, who we think is going to win every single game this weekend, starting with the first game on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Cardiff City versus Newcastle in Wale, uh, in Cardiff. It's going to be the first game in, in Wales uh, this season. So tell me what you think, Ori. What's the score line? I got 3-1 Newcastle. I don't have any faith in Cardiff. I think Newcastle had a chance to tie or beat Spurs in the opening weekend. Their attack looked much better than it did last season. Rondon coming off the bench looked like he could score a goal. I think Newcastle, I think Rondon and, and Joe Salou can get a couple in that game. 3-1 Newcastle. I'm going to go with 2-0 Newcastle. I think Cardiff City just is, does not have the attacking power to get past Newcastle, and I think Newcastle will get a couple set-piece goals, which would be interesting. All right, let's go to the 10 a.m. slate. We'll start with West Ham versus Bournemouth, the first game at the London Stadium. What's your scoreline? 2-2. Two, two. Uh, West Ham always tends to have slow starts to seasons. Uh, Bournemouth tends to come to the London Stadium and play pretty well. So I'll go with the two-all draw. I'm going to go 3-2 Bournemouth. I think it'll be a 90-minute type of winner for Bournemouth because uh, that's what they tend to do against these London teams, which is always fun. All right, let's go with Tottenham-Fulham. What do you got? First game of Wembley. 2-0 Spurs, even without Sun. I think um, Ali can maybe get another goal. And I think Tottenham's defense is going to be able to stop Fulham. I think it's still going to it's going to take a few weeks for Fulham's uh, brand new team to really gel. Two 0 Tottenham. I'm going to go one one. I think Mitrovic is going to get an early goal, and then uh, Tottenham is going to try to get back in it, and they'll probably get a goal either by Harry Kane breaking his August curse, or uh, maybe even an, uh, uh, Christian Eriksen Golasso. Who knows? But I, I still think one one Fulham Tottenham. All right, Harry that- Kane will never score in August ever. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. That, that, that's To me, that's the best-case scenario. All right, let's move on to Everton-Southampton. What do you got? 1-0 Everton. I think uh, Yeri Mina will get the start at center back for the red-carded Phil Jagielka. Mina and Keane, I think, are going to form a great partnership. They get the clean sheet. Pickford's going to make a lot of nice saves. Southampton just looks stale on offense. And I think Richarlison could get another goal for Everton, maybe get his third. But I'll go with the Toffees. I'm going to go 2-0 to the Toffees, and I also, but I actually think Yeri Mina is going to score if he starts this game because that's what he does. He plays, he scores. That's, that's what we knew in the World Cup. He did similar things at Barcelona. I think, it's going to be, I think he's going to be really fun to watch, and it's going to be a pretty great game. Now, your favorite game of the weekend or one of your favorite games of the weekend, Leicester City versus Wolverhampton. What do you got? 2-1 Leicester. I think they're going to have a little more creativity in the midfield. I think Damari Gray and Kelechi Iheanacho are going to just blitz, blitz by the Wolves' defense. I think Jamie Vardy will probably get the start. He could score another goal. I think Wolves need to you know, adjust tactically, and they're playing Manchester City at home in match day three, so it'd be important to get a point or uh, to at least get another point against Leicester, but I think Leicester's going to take it. I think they're tactically better. I say 3-1 Wolves. I think... Wolves realize that they're in the big leagues now. They're going to adjust. Maybe they don't play in the 3-4-3. Maybe they do, but they have some minor adjustments. I think they're going to try to play with... They're going to be a little less rusty. The passes are going to be a little more crisp. I just... I'm not really a big fan of Leicester City's defense. I think West Morgan is a little slow. I think... Um, it could go either way, but I, I honestly think that if Wolves gets a lead, I think they're going to 
do what they didn't do last week, and they're just going to try to pile on and uh, try to win that game. Um, let's go with the big game on Saturday, of course. Arsenal versus Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Unai Emery's second game in charge. Ori, what do you got? I got a one-all draw. I think that it would be weird if Arsenal started the season without a point after the first two games. I don't see it um, happening. Chelsea and Arsenal play to ties a lot in the recent years, so I think it's going to be a tie. I think Hazard, I don't know if Hazard starts again. I'll say Hazard doesn't start again, but I think Arsenal finally gets a goal. I say if Arsenal definitely, if Hazard starts, Hazard scores. That's what he does against Arsenal. It's ridiculous, but that's what he tends to do. So if he starts, he sco- they'll score. But I do think that, I think, I'm, I'm going to go optimistic. I think Arsenal's going to win 2-1. I think Aubameyang is going to get on the score sheet, and I think Lacazette's going to get on the score sheet. And all the media narrative about Unai Emery not knowing what he's doing is going to switch rapidly. And I think, I, I think two teams in transition, um, one team is a little more in the dumps than the other, but I think this is the moment where Unai Emery can finally get some confidence into his squad, which that's what's really necessary. All right, let's move on to Sunday, the two 8.30 games. Uh, let's start with the more boring one. Burnley Watford, what's your score? I have 2 nothing Watford again. I think Watford's midfield is going to control the Burnley midfield and create a lot of chances. All four of those guys against Brighton played really well. The likes of Decore, Will Hughes, Pereira obviously getting the two goals. So I think that Watford is in a really good position to get another win. So they're going to be my sort of surprise team that starts the season with six points. I think you're right. I'm also going with 2-0. I think Pereira was a revelation last week. I still think he's going to perform at a high level, um, especially against Burnley, who's going to be exhausted from the Europa League. And frankly, I don't even think they give that much uh, attention to the Premier League at this point in the season. I think they know that they have the defensive news to nick some points off from uh, the bottom-feeding teams, and they'll probably be able to make up some points in the meantime. But uh, yeah, I think 2-0 Wofford is, is about right. All right, Manchester City, Huddersfield Town. This is probably going to be the most differing of our opinions, but tell me, what, what do you think is the final scoreline? 6 nothing. Even without De Bruyne, it's totally fine. Bernardo Silva, I think, has a big game. I think that Aguero can come in and score some goals. Raheem Sterling can maybe get a goal or two. Sané could play really well. I think Huddersfield are going to show this weekend that they are the worst team in the league. Maybe worse than Cardiff, actually, because at least Cardiff had some defensive you know, stoppages against Bournemouth and their, their keeper saved a penalty, Neil Etheridge making history. City 6-0. They're going to destroy them. At home, there's no chance. Oh, I can't go with a 6-0. That's just, you can't, I, it's hard for me to ever pick a Premier League team losing by six goals. So I'm going to go 4-0 Man City. Uh, Huddersfield is definitely one of the worst teams in the country. I just can't go that far. I can't pick six, six nail. That's just too much. If it happens, well, that's just, that's the end of that for them. I have to go bold this weekend. Last weekend, I only got four games, right? It was all top six wins and I didn't get a single scoreline, right? So I need to go big or go home. I love it. All right. Final game on Sunday, Brighton, Hove Albion against Manchester United. What do you got? Man, you Man United 3-1. I think Pogba's going to play really well. I'm also going to expect Lukaku to start. Not very impressed with Brighton, despite the fact that they did beat United at home uh, in May to end last season. I have United winning, though, 3-1. I'm torn, but I think I'm going to go with 1-0 United. Uh, I don't think that Brighton is... I I think Brighton's going to put up a good fight, and I don't think United is going to blow them off the pitch. I think even if Pogba has a really good game, he can score his goal, but then be largely ineffective for the rest of the match because Mourinho's not using him correctly. I'll say Man United 1-0. 
but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a 1-1 draw. Like, I, I, It's just, I think United always starts really weird. But let's go to the final game of the week, Monday night game or Monday mid-afternoon game if you're American. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. What do you got? Another 3-1. Liverpool is just too fluid in the attack. Sané, um, or not Sané, Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Just too good. It's going to be tough for Crystal Palace to handle. Crystal Palace looked pretty good against Fulham. I think Zaha maybe gets another goal now that he signed his contract extension. We'll see how long he ends up staying with the Eagles. But I got Liverpool in this one. 3 one Liverpool's going to have a really, really good start to the season. And now they need to take advantage with no Kevin De Bruyne on City to try and build up a good points lead before he comes back. I am, I'm almost in agreement with you. I do think that Liverpool is going to have a really good start to the season. However, I do think that Palace is a good team. I think they'll frustrate Liverpool a little bit because teams that are more defensive-minded tend to frustrate Jurgen Klopp, Klopp's Liverpool team. So I think it'll be a 2-0 victory, pretty comfortable by Liverpool, but I wouldn't be shocked if Crystal Palace has some moments here or there where they might get an equalizer or some sort during the match. So, But I'll still say Liverpool wins comfortably 2-0, uh, which is interesting because Liverpool will probably be tied with uh, Man City on goal difference if your score lines uh, happen, which would be very interesting. But uh, I, that's it for our show today. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday or Monday, whichever, uh, discussing, reviewing all what happened in the Premier League during week two. Please keep coming back to the feed. Please come, keep listening. It's been fun doing this. We're going to be doing this all year round, Mondays slash Sundays and Thursdays slash Fridays, uh, depending on what's going on in the week. So please come, keep coming back. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Ori, for coming on, and we'll see you soon.